Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast writer, author, and HR professional with Leadership and More, Mr. Anthony Eaton. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? We are doing well. Uh, Anthony, before we get too far into things, can you share a little bit about your practice, Leadership and More? How are you serving folks? Well, it's really not a practice. Uh, it's actually my website. As I have developed through my human resource career, uh, leadership has taken on more and more of a spotlight as part of that. wanted to share my message, my experience, thoughts with other people. So I developed a website called Leadership and More, and I frequently do leadership interviews with a wide range of people. I write articles, uh, do book reviews, just another way to help people be the best leader they can be. Now, but your work every day is on the website creating content, or are you actually working with companies and individuals to help them uh, be better leaders? So I do both. Uh, I am still a practicing HR professional, and so that is basically my day job, if you will. Uh, but I am always open and available to working both with other companies and individuals with that coaching, developing, um, you know, sometimes people just need that sounding board and that different uh, perspective when it comes to coaching and development. So now can you share a little bit about your leadership philosophy? Well, I believe, and it's maybe said a lot, but I really do believe in servant leadership. I think a lot of what we see lacking in the business world, corporate world that I have been a part of is leaders who are really involved and engaged with creating more leaders. You do that by serving the people that you're working with. Now, do you believe that leaders are born or leaders made? I think there is a... With some individuals, a natural affinity to take on the leadership role. But I believe everybody is a leader in some form or fashion, whether you've got that official leadership title in a corporation or, you know, civically, um, or you're a leader in your community. And I say that because we all influence people. And we all know that leadership can be good or bad. So it's just really a matter of you know, being cognizant of what kind of influence am I having on people? What kind of leader am I? Because I'm setting an example with everything that I do. Have you seen uh, any instances where uh, a company, maybe their culture, uh, is thriving with a person in leadership that isn't doing a great job? Like, is, is it possible for an organization to thrive if there isn't really a, a good leader at the helm? Well, certainly, I think that we've seen examples of financial uh, thriving in organizations. I've 
worked for a couple myself that had uh, less than stellar leadership. And uh, obviously leadership is kind of, uh, you know, what is your perception and perspective on it? And I say not good because I think while they may have been thriving financially, I was questioned how much better could they have been doing if they had really positive, strong leadership. So a lot of times we think of success of a, a company just in those dollars and cents, um, what it means to the stockholders, not necessarily uh, what it means to the individuals who make up that organization. Now, are you seeing a push uh, of more kind of, uh, I've heard the term conscious capitalism, or like you mentioned, servant leadership, where organizations are taking a more holistic view of their all the stakeholders, not just the shareholders? Are you seeing that happening at all? I do see that. Uh, I connect with a lot of individuals who share the same philosophy. Obviously, I think, uh, you know, naturally we attract what we are. And so I see where there are companies, typically, you know, younger, newer companies who understand that a company and a business is just a name. What makes that is really the people behind that name and the people behind that product. And they can make or break that organization. And in your um, work, have you had any instances where you've been able to maybe work with a leader and help them maybe get to the next level or um, just kind of thrive and make a bigger impact? Absolutely. There have been a number of times where I have worked within an organization supporting a leader uh, who is wanting that. that. That's the first and most important thing, I think, is you've got to be conscious of, of what you want. And if you want to be a better leader, you're going to seek that out. Typically, it ends up being... Um, you know, in terms of that coach, uh, that go-to person that they can bounce ideas off. They can, you know, have that back and forth conversation where they know they're going to get honest, candid feedback that is designed in a way to really help them see a different perspective. Um, so in the, in the instances you've been able to uh, make an impact, can you share, uh, don't name any names, but share like what was the challenge and then how you were able to kind of help them overcome it and um, make the impact? You know, not long ago, um, in, in fact, it was uh, the person wasn't in a traditional leadership role, but they really were questioning their skills and abilities. Uh, you know, do I have the the ability to move into that role. And it was really about helping them see the breadth and depth of their strengths and how those related to leadership. They were great at listening. They were great at giving feedback. Uh, they were, you know, it's cliche, but they were really a team uh, player. Uh, they were involved. They cared about people all those really positive qualities that are needed in leadership. But from their own perspective, which we often struggle with ourselves, you know, they couldn't make the connection. So it was really helping them make the connection. Um, and they've gone on to, you know, take another role in another organization that puts them on that path. 
by kind of making them aware of all the data points of things that they were doing that are successful and that are impactful that they were maybe taking for granted? Was that some of Absolutely. It? Yes. And, and also getting them to see, you know, by, by some shared experiences that, uh, you know, there are, what are the pitfalls? So perhaps maybe look at what this leader is doing over here um, and the effect that is happening uh, as a result of that. But if you were to do this, uh, you could get a totally different result. Now, let's talk a little bit about your backstory. How did you kind of get into this role? Were you always coaching in some manner or leading in some manner throughout your career? I really, I really wasn't. Uh, my career actually found me in human resources, and I started out from the very bottom. I had never thought of working in uh, this field and profession. As my career progressed and I gained greater exposure to uh, more of your mid-level, high-level uh, leaders and executives, I began to really kind of focus in and observe what made these leaders good or bad. You know, what were the positive or negative things? It helped me because I was introspective to be able to say, oh, that makes sense. That's, that's the kind of person I want to be or that's who I don't want to be. And it, it has just evolved. It, it's been kind of a natural evolution over time where uh, I knew that I could take my knowledge and my skill, my working in human resources, my ability to communicate well with people and transfer that. Now, what's the most rewarding part of the work for you? The most rewarding part of the work is seeing somebody when that light bulb moment happens and you're describing something or sometimes it's even demonstrating it. Do a lot of, you know, with leaders, what does it look and sound like? Because you don't know what you don't know. And so when they get it, you can literally see it in their face and in their eyes. And to me, that's so rewarding. There's also been those times where somebody has come back, you know, after time has passed and said, you know, what you told me or the conversation that we had really helped me out in this situation. Um, and that's very rewarding to me. Now, do you do most of your work virtually or in person? Well, in my, in my day job as an HR professional, um, I, do, I do both. So a lot of what I do is... Uh, coaching, you know, supervisors and leaders. Um, and I will do that in person, uh, you know, face-to-face, -face, or sometimes it will be they will call me, um, they'll have questions, they'll need something, uh, you know, and I just guide them. I, I try to dig into what is it that's going on. Oftentimes with leaders, the struggles that they have are with the people that they're leading. And so it's, you know, how do I handle this situation? Or how do I have that conversation with this person um, without damaging uh, what our relationship is now? Again, I find that it's not that leaders typically don't want to do it um, or they don't want to do it right. They just don't know how. Now, um, when you're working with uh, 
these are they primarily executives or they could be anybody within the organization they could really be anybody within the organization um, you know i've i've worked with frontline employees who are struggling um, a lot of times it's that relationship because relationships are the foundation of everything and so you know how do i communicate with my manager i'm not getting what i need uh, and really trying to get them also to step out of their own experience and see things from a different perspective. You know, when we don't know the reasons behind something, uh, hasn't been explained to us, we make that story up in our head. And right. it's usually not a very good story. It's not accurate. It's, kind it's of not <laughs> accurate. It's never, it's never accurate, that's for sure. Now, how have you seen kind of leadership training and leadership coaching evolve over the years? You know, it's interesting because when I started my career, uh, I'm not going to say how many years ago because I don't want to date myself. <laughs> it seemed that coaches were something you only heard about for executives. You know, what I have found is oftentimes when somebody at an executive level needs a coach, it's really, really hard for that person to change what has been ingrained for years and years and years. I find the best coaching and development happens early in a career when somebody is trying to figure out where they want to be. Um, you know, do they want to be in a management role? Sometimes people think, oh, I want to, I want to be in a management role. Um, they get into it. They don't really know what management and leadership is because those are two different things. And then they discover, hey, this isn't for me. So I think the most effective coaching that is evolving is with the individual earlier in their career. And, um, and, and this kind of leadership training and coaching is very impactful because it goes beyond the walls of their office, right? This is stuff they can bring into their community, bring into their home, bring into their parenting. Absolutely. You know, everything that we do and, and because the lines today are so blurred, um, everything we do is transferable. So the leadership skills that I have in my nine to five job in the corporate environment, yeah, I can use those, you know, with my church group or with my youth group that I'm leading. I can use it within my own family because, again, we're influencing all the time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Featuring our guest today, writer, author, HR professional with leadership and more, Mr. Anthony Eaton. Coach the Coach is brought to you by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, it is time for the undoubtedly best part of the program, and you know why. It, the listeners love it. They I just, get so much feedback from this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's about me, and it genuinely helps me. Plus, I don't mind talking about me from time to time. Uh, Anthony, I mentioned to you before we uh, went on the air that uh, I, I do have a, a coaching role here at Business Radio X. It is confined uh, to being an internal coach to studio partners across 
the network. Um, but as I was listening to you and Lee talk, the line between coach and leader was kind of getting blurred for me a little bit, and it made me think. You know, in some respects, to some studio partners in the network, I wonder if I'm regarded and expected to behave as a leader. And in other cases, am I uh, regarded and expected to behave as a coach? And if so, where is that line drawn and what discipline should I be exercising? So um, any ideas, observations, counsel you might have on that topic of leader versus coach, particularly for someone with an internal set of responsibilities like I have? Well, I think that leaders are coaches, or they should be. They're not all. I think we all know that. <laughs> I think there's a clear distinction, though, between being um, a coach and, say, a counselor. Coaching is not about solving somebody's problems um, or, you know, uh, passing judgment, if you will, or disciplining them. That, to me, is not coaching. Coaching is it should be something that is positive. Uh, and so I think you have to understand the difference in, in the roles. And a leader can wear more than one of those hats, obviously, because they have a multitude of responsibilities. But sometimes I think, you know, we do things under the guise of, oh, I'm coaching that person, but no, I'm not really coaching them. You know, I'm counseling them. Um, coaching to me also is, you know, while we might share our experience, it's not, to me, it shouldn't be sharing my opinion because my opinion doesn't matter. Um, and my opinion doesn't necessarily help you. Thank you for that. That it, Well, that helps me. I can tell you that. Um, I'll keep, I'll continue to try to keep that in mind. Now, Anthony, um, are there any leaders or authors that you read or keep up with? Um, are there people that are kind of role models for you? Well, there are. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for things that uh, people have written. I'm an avid reader. Uh, and it may be oftentimes it's just one book that they may have written comes to mind. Uh, there is an individual that... I interviewed, uh, she wrote a book and it was about uh, being a mother and then going back into the workplace and the book was um, uh, Work Pump Repeat. And as a man, uh, it intrigued me because I heard her speak about her book and her experience um, struggling when she went back into the workforce with how not only men viewed her as being a working mother, but also how her female counterparts, um, you know, treated her. So I'm always looking for things where, you know, I'm exposed to something new. Uh, currently, uh, I picked up Michelle Obama's book, regardless of what people's politics are. Um, I found it intriguing because it's all about her journey. And that's a lot of what I focus on when I do interviews for my website is, what was somebody's journey or what is somebody's journey? What's their experience with leadership? What has helped forge them, create them? Uh, why are they the kind of leader that they are? I think that's where we learn the best is by, uh, you know, being exposed to a lot of different ideas and concepts. Now, when you're working with um the people that you work with, are they, and you're, you're working with their career plan. Are they 
do most people have a plan or they're just kind of uh kind of just going along for the ride and where wherever the opportunity pops up they decide yay or nay then I'll pursue it or I won't you know it's interesting because I have found uh, this kind of goes to when people go to college and they 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 pick a field or a major I've known so many people who spent you know their four or eight years going to college uh, they study to become a lawyer and they go into the profession and they hate it and then they find something different uh, so I find very few people who you know where they're at is where they kind of set out to be and I'm sure there are those people out there. It just hasn't been my experience. Typically, they're always trying to, I don't like to use the word figure it out because it seems like, you know, they're floundering. I mean, they have some idea, but they understand the fluidity of career. And that's been my own experience. I never set out to work in human resources. Uh, I never said, oh, I have to be this and then I have to be that and I have to have a corner office and et cetera, et cetera. My approach was if I do all the things that I'm supposed to do and I'm trying to do my best at it, whether that's being a leader or, or you know, paperwork, whatever it may be, um, the rest will come. And I just have to be cognizant of those opportunities and where they might take me. Now, uh, so that's really what I see a lot of. Do you, do you find that most people are on a path that they're happy with, or do you think there's a level of dissatisfaction in most people's careers? It, it really depends on the individual, obviously. There's so many different things that influence our career. You know, some people are happy doing the same thing their entire career. Uh, they, they don't aspire to, you know, be a manager or a traditional leader, and that's that's great because they understand, you know, where their happiness lies. I think then at different points in our career, we, you know, we feel differently because maybe we're stagnant or the organization has changed or other aspects of our life have changed. And now we're no longer satisfied and we want something different or something more. So it's very, I find it's very individualistic, if you will. What about generationally? Do you find that the younger generation is more apt to look for something better faster than the uh, older folks? Absolutely. I, I think that statistics have shown that, research and surveys have shown the today's younger workforce, they want different things than, say, my parents or your parents. No longer do people stay with the same company, you know, cradle to grave. It, it just does not happen. Uh, there are there are a few, but I think they're becoming fewer and fewer. So the challenge is, you know, two-sided. One is on the individual to really understand, you know, if, if I want to continue, what part of that do I own? Because companies own less and less of it, it seems, in a lot of instances. And from a company standpoint, it's what – what are you going to do to try to retain that individual, keep them motivated, engaged, and growing so they are always an asset? So now do you think that companies, from a culture standpoint, can do things to get the young people to stick around longer? Or is this just something that they have to manage through and accept as this is just the way it is nowadays? 
No, I absolutely think there are things that, that companies can do. You know, it's like, I don't know when it came about last 10, 15 years, you know, you think of the phone company and bundling. I worked in telecom in HR, so I, I know these terms. The idea behind that is a stickiness to your customer. You know, the more they have with you, the less likely they are to leave. So the more ingrained an individual is in the culture and the organization, the less likely they are to leave because it's an unknown of what they're going to get somewhere else. You know, if, if I have a great relationship with my boss and my peers and the work I do is very satisfying, um, I've, even if I've got just okay or decent benefits, um, those are things that people want. They make them feel good. Uh, so I don't know if I am going to get that somewhere else. Because when you go interview for a job, everybody is on their best behavior, right? We've all put on our Sunday clothes <laughs> and, you know, we're trying to impress. So it all looks good um, on the outside. You never know until you're on the inside for a little while. Now, um, but when, how, how much um, ownership does a leader have when the hire isn't working out? Like if they leave before the, the company thought they would. Depends on the situation. Uh, if the leader is doing, you know, everything that they should, then I think, you know, you've done what you're supposed to do. So it, it's the relationship is a two-way street. When it comes in, into play that somebody hasn't worked out for performance or fit, again, I go back to if the leader is making every effort, you know, in all other cases, they're successful then you can be satisfied at the end of the day that, hey, we're just not a good match and, and we'll go our separate ways. I think the problem arises when leaders put all the onus on the individual to, you know, self-direct and, and self-lead and they don't work at building a relationship. Then, yes, as a leader, you, in my opinion, you have failed. Uh, you're there's no, I would assume nothing else except that person is going to eventually leave. Now, before we wrap, um, can you share uh, one piece of actionable advice uh, for a new coach that's uh, leading people, maybe that can help them uh, speed up their learning curve? I would say, listen. And we talk a lot about that, but most of us don't really know how to listen. And so you have to be intentional about listening, clearing your head of your own dialogue and that desire to have a response and focus in on what that person is telling you. Uh, silence is okay. Great advice. Now, um, what could we do to help you? Are you looking for more uh, leaders to interview? Um, what do you need more of right now? I am always looking for uh, people to interview, uh, whether they hold a traditional leadership role or not. I try to put a new interview out on my website uh, at least monthly. Two recurring columns. One is uh, conversations or leadership conversations. The other one is specifically geared towards women. It's women in leadership. Uh, I've been blessed in both instances to be able to have great uh, virtual conversations with a wide range of people. Also open to, you know, uh, somebody's looking for a coach or a mentor, short or long term, 
you know, let's talk. Let's see if there's something that I can help you with. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Anthony Eaton with Leadership and More. If somebody wanted to learn more, the website one more time. Is www.leadershipandmore, all one word, dot com. And and is spelled out. And I'm sure they can find you on some of the social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your story today. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 